Welcome to the podcast, Amazing Tales from Off and On Connecticut's Beaten Path. I'm your host, Mike Allen. Today, a topic that's maybe a little further off the beaten path than normal, we're going to take a look at some historic laws in Connecticut, some that are no longer on the books, mainly the old blue laws, and others that are but might leave you wondering why. We're going to take a real deep focus, though, on one of the ones that Maybe is, maybe isn't. I'm going to leave that for you to find out. My guest today is Steve Mursky. Steve's a longtime library specialist with the Connecticut State Library in its law reference unit. It's a busy job that fields questions about all sorts of Connecticut laws, including the question that I had. And now, is a pickle that doesn't bounce illegal in Connecticut? October 1st is an important date in Connecticut. It's when new laws that are passed by the legislature take effect. And usually around October 1st, all the newspapers in the state publicize those laws, at least the ones that affect the greatest number of us. I actually look forward to this announcement each year because the laws tend to frame where society is at the moment, at least the state of Connecticut. And I'm always curious to see what I missed during the legislative session that a majority of our state reps and senators thought was important enough to pass a new law about. Well, of course, we are a state of laws, literally the Constitution state, because Connecticut was the first state to have a constitution. Well, today we're going to take a quick look at several old laws that were on the books through what we fondly referred to as our blue laws period in history. And we'll also focus on one in particular, a newer law, a law that is only kind of half a law, the one widely referred to as Connecticut's Pickle Law. But we'll get back to that in a bit. Now, there are a variety of online sites that list some of the earliest laws from the days when Connecticut referred to itself as a dominion, which was really a colony. Blue laws refer to the 1650 Connecticut General Court and the 1655 Code of Laws of the Colony of New Haven. Now, I'm going to read some to you, just a few, and you realize as you go through this, the powers that be really loved our dominion, and they loved the Sabbath, which is where the so-called Sunday Blue Laws came from. But you'll find out they did not like Quakers. Okay, here we go. The governor and magistrates convened in General Assembly are the supreme power under God of this independent dominion. From the determination of the assembly, no appeal shall be made. Now, conspiring against the dominion shall be punishable by death. Whoever says there is a power and jurisdiction above and over this dominion shall suffer death and loss of property. I guess once you have death, you don't have the property. Whoever attempts to change or overturn this dominion shall suffer death. No one shall be a free man or give a vote unless he be converted and a full member in full communion of one of the churches allowed in this dominion. No Quaker or dissenter from the established worship of this dominion shall be allowed to give a vote for the election of magistrates or any officer. No food or lodging shall be afforded a Quaker, Adamite, or other heretic. If any person turns Quaker, he shall be banished and not suffered to return but upon pain of death. Regarding the Sabbath, the Sabbath shall begin at sunset on Saturday. No one shall run on the Sabbath day or walk in his garden or elsewhere except reverently to and from meeting. 
No one shall travel, cook victuals, make beds, sweep house, cut hair, or shave on the Sabbath. No woman shall kiss her child on the Sabbath or fasting day. Regarding your neighbors, to pick an ear of corn growing in a neighbor's garden shall be deemed theft. Well, I think we can all agree with that. Whoever publishes a lie to the prejudice of his neighbor shall sit in the stocks or be whipped 15 stripes. I assume that means you're whipped until there's 15 stripes on your back. Whoever sets a fire in the woods and it burns down a house shall suffer death. Whoever brings cards or dice into this dominion shall pay a fine of five pounds. I'd be in trouble on that one. The selectmen on finding children ignorant may take them away from their parents and put them into better hands at the expense of their parents. A man that strikes his wife shall pay a fine of 10 pounds. A woman that strikes her husband shall be punished as the court directs. Now, of course, the sale of alcohol on Sunday finally went off the books, but this didn't occur in Connecticut until this century in 2012. Well, today there are still some odd laws on the book, but they represent more modern concerns. For example, in Waterbury, no beautician can hum, whistle, or sing while working on a customer. You can be stopped by police in Connecticut for biking over 65 miles an hour. And for whatever it's worth, I think only two people have ever been clocked biking at higher than 65 miles an hour, and they were both professionals. It is illegal to dispose of used razor blades. I don't understand where you're supposed to recycle them. In Southington, silly string is banned. Now, this is true. In the mid-1990s, they had the Apple Harvest Festival, a very popular festival in Southington, by the way. And a group of children ran up to a police officer and sprayed him with silly string right in the middle of this Apple Harvest Festival. So Southington banned the product to keep it from ever happening again. Now, the one we're here to talk about today and really focus on is a law that continues to attract attention and inquiries, even though it really isn't a law. We're talking about the so-called Connecticut Pickle Law, and it's all thanks to an incident that occurred back in the 1940s. Now, the scene of the crime was a pickle distribution warehouse in Ellington, Connecticut, and Ellington's about 15 miles northeast of Hartford. The essential facts of the case are as follows. At this pickle distribution company in Ellington, they had bought $250,000 worth of cucumbers. That's a quarter million dollars worth of cucumbers. All of this from area farms, and they were storing them in the warehouse. Well, complaints had been received about the warehouse at the Connecticut Food and Drugs Department, and Commissioner Frederick Holbrook there finally ordered an investigation. Now, what his inspectors found was really quite concerning and somewhat stomach-turning. According to the Hartford Current, the lab report came back and said the samples were, quote, putrid, decomposed, and containing rat tail maggots. And as if that wasn't enough, Commissioner Holbrook weighed in with another test, whether the pickle would bounce. And when it didn't, an arrest occurred. The charge, adulteration, and misrepresentation of food products. Now, that may be more information than you really wanted to know, but the story of how this all came to light is fascinating. We have Steve Mursky, a library specialist in the Law Reference Unit of the Connecticut State Library, a position he's held for nearly a quarter century. Now, one of Steve's predecessors in that union had received the inquiry about the existence of the Connecticut Pickle Law 
just enough times that they decided to once and for all answer the question, and they posted an information piece about it which has been downloaded regularly since then. Yet despite all of those best efforts, some Connecticut residents still labor under the misconception that Connecticut has a separate pickle law. It's going to be kind of a tongue-in-cheek discussion. You know, we've discussed this up front, but it's kind of an urban legend that Connecticut has this pickle law because of this story that people have heard about over the years of somebody having been arrested for this. Now, there are truly laws that regulate food, and pickles are a food, so there is some of that. But let's just start off with a yes or no. Is there a so-called pickle law in Connecticut? There is that as far as um, the simplicity behind just um, watching a pickle bounce. And if it doesn't, you get arrested. That's definitely not something that existed. (laughs) Now, but then that is actually what happened back in, I think it was 1948 or somewhere thereabouts. Right, correct. At that time, Commissioner Fred Holcomb tested a pickle at a factory, this distribution center and used the bounce as a way to see if the pickle was spoiled or not. And that wasn't in the law. It was just a method that he used to see if it either stayed intact when it fell to the floor or flatted into an unrecognizable blot of cucumbers. In that case, it did splatter, and then that's when that individual that was working with the pickle company got fined I guess it was $500. Now, what I appreciate about you as a librarian, and yet I'm not surprised, is when I first contacted you to discuss this story, you ended up doing some research, surprising not at all. And you looked into this and found out that actually this charge, even though the uh, the pickle juice may have stuck, the charge itself did not? Correct. Right. The charge got nollied because that individual that was working for that pickle distribution or manufacturer, he was a salesperson, so he didn't um, have a hand in manufacturing them or ensuring the quality coming to market. So ultimately, the charge got dropped. Now, when you think about it, I wouldn't uh, see the harm in dropping a vegetable from uh, 12 inches off the floor to see if it bounces or whatnot. That sounds actually like a pretty good rule of thumb. Right. It would have to be pretty spoiled for that guideline to hold fast, because if you can imagine a pickle that's in that bad a shape that it would splatter on the floor. I think what they were talking about bouncing wasn't actually bouncing like a ball, but just having a little consistency that it wouldn't fall apart when it was dropped. And just so people aren't misled on this, there are, in fact, regulations, rules, laws that guide pickles, but your research shows that a good portion of this, at least, is at the federal level? Right. When it gets more specific, it's at the federal level through the USDA. They actually have standards for grades of pickles, so they cover a lot of different types. But as far as at the state level, it's more generalized. They do have food safety standards, but they definitely don't go into minute detail about how to test each food product. Now, you say that back in 2010, the General Assembly in Connecticut uh, did get into pickling, I guess, on farms. What was that all about? Yeah, it was actually entitled An Act Concerning Farms, Food, and Jobs. And within it, 
it uh, made it easier for farms to sell pickled vegetables, not just cucumbers that we think of, but relishes and other pickled vegetables at their farm stands made it easier for them to do so. I hate to think what laws uh, people may have been violating and pickling in their kitchens over the years. Steve, the other part of this is some people may be wondering why this episode, and it's actually your group, the legal reference uh, unit at the Connecticut State Library, that finally put this whole thing to rest because so many people thought there were pickle laws or a pickle law in Connecticut. And I guess you guys, along with a lot of libraries in the state of Connecticut, were getting a lot of requests on this. And as you might expect a library to do, you did some research and put out some information on this. Could you tell us about that? Yes, I think it's probably a good example of other you know, wacky laws that might have been passed a long time ago. And people are, they wonder, is it still in the books? Is it still relevant? And I think it stems from blue laws that were passed, whether it be in Connecticut or elsewhere. They did exist to you know, control people's behavior, but the question is, were they enforced to the letter? It was more about you know, covering a topic in a strange way when we look at it through today's perspective. So I, I think that's what led to people looking into these, you know, nuttier laws, probably heard about this pickle, so-called pickle law, and then looked into it more and asked us about it. And at the time, we didn't have a resource to point to to say, no, this is, here's what the real story is for it. So I think we developed that resource on our site to help people answer and look into it themselves instead of reinventing the wheel. Steve, in the interest of true confessions, I am actually going to drop a pickle from a foot off the floor onto the floor just to see what happens. Have you been tempted to do the same thing? You know, I I haven't, but here when this resource that we have on our site was developed, the two individuals that did it actually put it to the test. They got a jar of pickles and they went into the break room and dropped one from, I'm not sure how how far above the table, but they dropped it and tested to see if it had any kind of bounce to it. And I think there was a tiny little bounce, but like I say, not like a rubber ball, of course. (laughs) Now, all this to say, don't ever forget about the one pickle law that really can land you in hot water. And that is, if you drive a car in Connecticut while you're pickled, you're going to be arrested for drunk driving. wraps up this episode of Amazing Tales from off and on Connecticut's beaten path. I want to thank Steve Mursky, the library specialist for the Law Reference Unit at the Connecticut State Library. CSL, by the way, is a fabulous resource in Connecticut just across the street from the state capitol where, of course, they make all those laws. If you like this show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you'll be notified when the next episode is being launched. And don't forget to tell your family, friends, and colleagues. Amazing Tales from Off and On, Connecticut's Beaten Path is a production of True North Associates, LLC. This is Mike Allen. Be safe and please stay healthy. Stay healthy.